0: So while I love exploring varied views and get a buzz from a healthy debate of ideas, this is not a purely blue-white-green program. Please subscribe, tune in and enjoy the politics of everything. Mentoring has been a critical part of many successful people's career stories. Sometimes it's done formally and for an exchange of money. But often it's more about a seasoned leader meeting regularly with less seasoned humans and imparting ideas, knowledge, and even empowerment. Today, I'm chatting to James Sewell, the founder of Mentor Connects, a service that connects entrepreneurs and business owners searching for success with battle-hardened mentors who know how to get it. James spent the early part of his career in the insurance market as a Lloyds of London broker until he convinced his then-girlfriend Jenny to join him on a nine-month trip to Australia as a maternity leave replacement. Fast forward 13 years, two weddings and two kids later, and James and Jenny now call Australia home. After breakfast with his brother-in-law one morning, James decided it was time to trade in a great salary, comfy office and long lunches on expenses for a life of hauling junk in bright pink trucks. After a few months, he and his brother-in-law launched Pink Junk. Whilst the business was not the success James dreamed of, it was a brilliant introduction into the world of business ownership and an incredible experience. Although the challenges James faced when building Pink Junk led it to being conceptualised, it wasn't until a flight back from a visit to the UK when James's sister laid down the gauntlet of the words, if you don't do it, I will, that James finally committed to stepping away out of his comfort zone and starting Mentor Connects. Beyond family and surfing poorly, James thrives on helping other business owners who have have more success by making it easier than ever to access one-to-one advice and guidance from authentic experts who've trodden the path before them. So today we are chatting about the politics of mentoring and welcome, James.
1: Thank you very much. How are you doing?
0: Excellent. You've had um, obviously a few uh, business experiences under your belt, but what did young James want to do as a kid and did you achieve that?
1: that? That's a good question. I guess I did achieve it, but very much in a roundabout way. I think I was one of those kids that wanted to do lots of different things, from being a fast jet pilot to a Formula One driver to a brain surgeon, I think, at one point. But deep down, I just always had this desire to start a business, you know, or, or be an entrepreneur, business owner. But I didn't kind of leave school and university with a roadmap of how to do that. I sort of, I actually left thinking I was going to become a Royal Marine officer because I you know, couldn't decide what I was going to do. That seemed like the most sensible option. But at that time, I was living in the countryside with my parents back in the UK, and they only take an influx of officers or, or they only do the assessment once every year. So I had about nine months to kill. So I convinced my mum to buy me a car because I needed a car to get a job. And my plan was to work for nine months, earn a bit of cash, get super fit, and then go and do the training. Unfortunately, after about three weeks of having that car, I put it through a hedge, so I had no. Uh, I now ha- had no transport and no real plan of what I was going to do. So a friend of mine said to me, "Why don't you come and do a recruitment job? It's really easy to get a job. You know, I think you'd have some fun." So I did. So I think about two weeks later, I moved to London, and that was kind of the end of the of the Royal Marines idea because at that point I discovered parting. It was kind of like a continuation of university, but now it was actually being paid. So a bit was of a shortcut, like, maybe, too, to what was ahead. Bit of a shortcut, yeah, that's right. So I, I did work in recruitment for about a year and, and I, I've always had the utmost respect for anyone that can do that job because it is incredibly hard and it's a great grounding, I think, for anything that you go on to. It, it really, you have to get used to people on the other end of the phone telling you to go away. You've got to be very tenacious. You've got to be prepared to keep doing the same thing again and again and again. And the guys that crack it, that they do very well and deservedly so. But sadly, I wasn't one of those people. After about a year, I just thought, I, I, I'm not up to this. Um, so I pulled the pin on that, and I was looking around trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. And we had some good family friends that, that lived in Sussex, around where I grew up, who's who had worked in Lloyd's of London. You know, they, they built careers as Lloyd's insurance brokers or underwriters, and they'd had a great time doing it. And they seemed to have done financially very well. So I thought, well, that looks like a good crack. I'll give that a go. And I was very lucky that I knew someone that helped me get a foot in the door. It's one of those kind of fairly closed markets where it's a little bit about who you know, not what you know, rightly or wrongly. It's just kind of a bit old school and traditional like that. Luckily, I managed to track down someone that that gave me a shot. But I did that for three years or so. And then I was thinking about what i'm going to do next and i and i sort of i don't do you know much about the lloyds a little bit because i actually
0: worked in hong kong for a period of time and lloyds was there um this is a number of years ago i'm going to age myself if i tell you how long ago that was and then i worked in london um as a business journalist so i am familiar with the lloyds entity and 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 what they do Uh, a lot of people may not but um they're obviously well known and well established
1: yeah, so it's it's a great, like, it's a great fun thing to do. And I think you really learn a lot about face-to-face negotiation, which I think is, a, again, it's a good life skill, a bit like, I look back at my time in recruitment and think that sales experience has been a good grounding for all sorts of stuff I've gone on to. And and I think similarly, that Lloyd's experience, you know, face-to-face negotiating is a skill you can carry through life. But I, you know, I thought I was doing pretty well. My employer didn't though, so they made me redundant after three years around about the global financial crisis time and then there was a bit of a question mark i I was chatting to jenny who my now wife but she was my girlfriend at the time and i always had this idea of moving to australia and we sort of sat down had a chat and said well look is isn't you know do i try and get another job in london or is now the time to go and do this so i ended up flying with my sister to australia to do some job interviews and it was one of those kind of sliding door moments because 24 hours before i wasn't going to go and then i spoke to my dad and he said "No, no you should do it and I rang up my sister and said, "Hey, Gemma, why don't you come with me?" At the time, my mum worked for Virgin Atlantic, so we were we were quite lucky. We got we got business class seats, so you know we're both absolutely flat broke, but flying in business class, it was quite funny. But she, um, Gemma, met her now husband on that on that flight, and then I went on and ended up getting a job in Australia, and you know my, my wife and I have been here ever since. So it was one of those weird kind of you know flip of a coin scenarios where, hey, we hadn't done, we probably never would have been here, but. But there you go. So then I, I worked in an insurance broker here for, for about seven years, and about halfway through, they tapped me on the shoulder and said, look, are you interested in doing a business development role? Which which I I took on, kind of going back to that sort of corporate stale, uh, sales type environment. And it was great. Like, I, I I did well. Like, you know, I was earning pretty good money. It, it was a nice job. But I just didn't feel really truly fulfilled. I just felt like... I had more to offer than just sales. And I had that sort of niggling feeling for a while. And then eventually I was having breakfast with my brother-in-law and he started chatting to me about a company in America called College Hunks Hauling Junk and this TV program that he'd watched. And these guys had created this junk hauling business in America with a difference and they were doing incredibly well. So he sort of said, look, how would you feel about doing something similar in Australia? And I think you know, by the end of that conversation, I was on board. Went home and spoke to Jenny about it, and she was like, "Yeah, it's a great idea. You should do it." And so I think I, I probably a month or so later handed in my notice, and that's when we started the junk hauling business. So it's quite a it was quite a big transition, but it was brilliant to be honest with you. I loved I loved hauling junk. It's a it's a big change from walking around in a suit every day, but it's very grounding and.
0: And very important work, really. I think that's the thing. It's you know, someone someone has to do that, and if you can make a business out of it, then then that that's that's great. And obviously, now with Mentor Connects, um, you're in a different space again. So there's a lot of twists and turns to your business story. Mm. In your in your experience, what does a mentor do for someone? And I guess for someone who's new to that process, how do you know if you've met the right mentor? to help you in your career or your business? Is there a bit of a checklist? Is it about personality? Is it about industry matching? What are some of the criteria you think that really make that relationship work well?
1: It's a really good question. And I think the first thing that you said there is to understand what a business mentor does. And it's a bit of a gray area. And particularly when you start talking about business mentoring and business coaching, it's very easy to confuse the two and use the terms interchangeably so the definition we use with business mentor is an experienced business person who gives a less experienced business person advice over a period of time so there's a couple of key things in that definition one is the word experience so if you're looking for a mentor you really want to be looking for a mentor that has experience whatever it is that you're trying to overcome so if you're if you're a business owner you want a business you want a mentor that is has faced and overcome similar challenges if you're working in the legal profession likewise or or whatever it is that you're doing it's all about having relevant experience and being more experienced than you so you can draw on that experience the second key thing in there is advice and about giving advice over a period of time but the only thing i will say with that is i think the word advice is a bit misleading because i think mentorship is actually about a lot more than just advice you know a lot of a lot of the time I believe we already know the answers. You know, we're going to a mentor looking for answers, but we really know the answer. What we need is someone to help us discover it for ourselves. So that's less about giving someone direct advice, but more about asking the right questions and opening them up to options and and steering them in the right direction. So that's kind of how I look at the the definition. In terms of a, a checklist, I think... That experience is the key one. So looking at, for someone that has experienced similar challenges. And, and I think that can be industry-related, career or business stage-related or niche-related. Then it's about their attributes. You know, and I, and I think we talked about it with advice. I think someone that's a really good listener is incredibly important. Someone that, you know, an active listener, someone that's asking the right questions to help you uncover the answers for yourself. I think that's a really key, key skill set. Then, the third thing on the checklist, I'd suggest looking at their motivations. You know, why is that person mentoring you? I think that's very important to understand. And then, lastly, it's about the relationship. And I don't mean that you necessarily want a mentor that's your best buddy, but having a relationship with a mentor that is prepared to tell you when you're doing something wrong. You know, we often, people love to give advice and people love to, you know, offer you advice and give you support and that kind of stuff. But what you want is someone that's actually going to challenge you, and often the most the most fruitful relationships are when you've got someone who's comfortable telling you that they think that you're wrong, so that the relationship then is is then each being comfortable to have those discussions without being overly critical or, or, or nasty. That you know, it's finding that balance between. It's a
0: balance. I was going to say that, and yeah. look, I think it's great to differentiate what a business coach that's different to a mentor because a lot of people may not know the difference. With mentoring, do people generally pay for that? I mean, I've had mentors in my career who've been maybe working in the same organisation as I am who might be more experienced or they might be from a different sector but similar skill set but just maybe five, ten years ahead of me. And I've not necessarily paid them but I might have had a regular coffee catch-ups and they've given me homework and there's been that sort of relationship. What you've done is obviously set up something where there's a monetary exchange. Is that something that's growing? How, how have you sort of capitalized on on where the market is at?
1: Yeah, it is growing actually. We're seeing more and more companies popping up offering paid mentorship. I think there is this connotation that mentorship is free and some people struggle to get their head around the idea that you would pay for mentorship. But that being said, I would argue that the great majority of mentoring relationships outside of or maybe even with within corporate organizations as well you know someone 's paying somewhere someone 's paying for time somewhere if you're a business owner and you're looking for mentorship or you 're just looking for advice and guidance, often the biggest challenge is how you go and find that mentor you know so you might say well i like, 'm going to go to networking events and i 'm going to go and whatever in that scenario you're you're paying for time and Uh, You're paying with time and effort trying to find someone. If you go to an incubator or an accelerator or something like that, often what you'll find is that the mentors that are part of that mentoring pool will be looking for equity in your business or they'll be looking for you to engage them for other services. So I think what we've tried to do is go, well, let's just make it really clear cut. Let's make it a similar sort of arrangement to coaching. Uh, In that, you know, coaching, 99% of the time, it's quite black and white. It's like, look, you're going to coach me and I'm going to pay you the model that we've landed on is it's a lower cost than coaching but it's there's still that monetary exchange so everyone knows where they stand you can set very clear expectations and boundaries and you're away
0: interesting so what criteria does mentor connect set for people that say want to be a mentor as well as those that engage with with you and say look I need someone to help me out what's what's the vetting process
1: yeah so Uh, In terms of the criteria, it's similar to what we talked about earlier. You know, we're looking for those, the experience, the attributes, the motivation. And then, I mean, the relationship in that scenario, that's more about part of the matching process. But when we're bringing mentors in, you know, we're looking at similar attributes. And then we have, we've got a seven-step vetting process. So we do kind of like a pre-screening, which is a short questionnaire, which anyone can go up and do on the website. Then we have a more detailed questionnaire. Then we ask for three really high-quality referees. So ideally people that you've mentored before. I mean, I should just add as well that we, we have mentors and coaches. But so the mentors and coaches that, that we engage, we're looking for people that have previous experience of mentoring or coaching. At this point in our business evolution, I think there might be a time in future. In fact, I, I know there will be a time in future when we offer some sort of mentor training. So we can bring in people that are new to mentorship. But at this stage in our evolution, we're really looking for people that have experience. So we ask for, for three really good quality referees, and then they have a series of questions they answer. If that goes well, we then have a one on one-on-one interview process. And then from there it moves into the kind of onboarding phase. Great. So we have a yeah, we have a methodology that we use. It's called the Mentor Connects Way. It's a methodology which is kind of a hybrid between coaching and mentoring. What we sort of found was there's elements of coaching that work incredibly well and elements of mentoring that work incredibly well. And by bringing those two together, you know, it, it creates a really nice framework and we're getting really good results. So so we ask people to kind of understand, learn about and, and agree to that. And then we have a service level agreement. And then there's kind of an ongoing There's an ongoing feedback and assessment process, so we're kind of monitoring it.
0: That makes sense. All the time. trust is one of the things I think is the biggest part of that relationship between a mentor and a mentee because not dissimilar to maybe when you go see a psychologist or or a counsellor or something. Sometimes you're telling people your biggest fears, your biggest issues, your roadblocks in your business, which you know maybe you would want your clients or mm. your staff to necessarily know. And likewise, the mentor is imparting knowledge and ideas and experiences as well that shows often some vulnerability in how they've got to where they've got to, what mistakes yeah. they've made. So trust is a big one for me, my yeah. experience with, with these kinds of relationships. But what mm. else is really important in terms of ingredients and values to really make it tick?
1: Do you mean in terms of what's going to make a successful mentor-mentee relationship? Yeah,
0: the relationship between yeah. the two, like trust is key, being honest, being open, but also what else is kind of the things that you think when you've seen the really successful relationships fly, yeah. what is it that's that's kind of been at the heart of that?
1: Well, I think it starts with setting really clear expectations, particularly you know what a mentee expects of a ment- mentor, but also what a mentor expects of a mentee. I think it's really, really important to understand what you're trying to achieve. I tend to think about it from the business owner context. And often what we find with the business owners is they have trouble getting to the root of their problems. You know, what, what we often think is our challenge on the surface is not necessarily what's actually holding us back when you delve a bit deeper. So it's a, it's important to spend a bit of time going through that. And then it's about establishing some some really clear Goals that you can both work towards, and I would recommend documenting them as well, so you've got something to refer back to. And with those goals, it's just important to remember that there's only so much you can do at any one time. So set some simple goals, one or two goals that can actually be achieved. Don't overwhelm yourself with sort of five to ten goals. You know, there's too much other stuff going on in life. But set some simple, achievable goals, and then just work through them. And then I think probably the last thing is is commitment. You know, both the mentor and the mentee have to invest their time you know, we get out what we put in like anything. There's going to be times when you think, oh, do you know, I, I I don't want to meet with so-and-so today. I'm too busy and I haven't done what I said I would do. But what I've personally found from experience and what I hear from others is those are the meetings which when you have, you go, I'm so glad I had that conversation. You know, I let off some stuff. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. It's, it's different headspace and different thinking. Absolutely. How do you know when it's time to break up or move on from your mentor?
1: Yeah, I think that's a good question. I mean, I think for some people, Never, you know, like you know, you you see the example of Bill Gates and Warren Buffett. You know, I think Warren Buffett's been mentoring Bill Gates for forever, but that's you know, I I think that's few and far between. I think for most people, if you're going into a relationship looking to achieve something, the natural time to move on is when you've achieved that goal. Unless you're setting new goals that you can work with that mentor on, often it's better to move on to someone new. I mean, to give you an example, you're working with someone to try and understand how to raise money for your business but you've now raised money for your business you know perhaps your next challenge is how to build a leadership team the question then becomes what well, is the mentor that you're working with right now the mentor to help you do that or is there someone else that you should go and talk to instead so I think that's that's another way of looking at it.
0: Yeah it's a really great practical way to think about it actually because it's it's goal-based then as well you've achieved that and you know sometimes those relationships have a natural end it sounds like as well. It's,
1: it's, it's really funny actually I, I did before I started Mentor Connects so I did a some research and I spoke to about 50 different business owners and the number one fear that they had about engaging a mentor was getting the wrong mentor and when you sort of when we sort of delved into that a bit deeper what it emerged people were worrying about was getting stuck with the wrong mentor so I think there's a bit of a notion that once you're with a mentor you're with them for life kind of thing which is obviously not the case at all but I think that this the example that one lady shared with us was she'd had a mentor for about five years and the relationship had long you know it it wasn't really she wasn't really getting anything from it anymore but because it was a family friend she didn't feel she could say look uncle bob i i don't really want to meet with you anymore i think we're done can we just go back to
0: family lunches
1: yeah it's not you it's me so i think don't be afraid to say look this this relationship's been incredible i've got so much from it right now you know Let's take a break. <laughs> Let's come yeah, back. Yeah, exactly.
0: Future. I think sometimes when you think about mentors and mentees, it can seem like a one-way giving stream. So mm. the less experienced or hungrier mentee is kind of getting all that that knowledge, that know-how, that motivation. Yeah, I know from my own experience that I've actually I've been a mentor and a mentee, and I've actually got a lot out of mentoring some people in different industries or people who've come through my sector that are a lot younger than me that have mm. had maybe technically speaking less life and business experience but maybe have a different view on an issue or a problem mm. how can a mentor be better at their role so that they're keeping i guess on top of where the industry is really at and where where they need to add value
1: i think that's a really good question i think it comes back to what makes for a good mentor and often that is to the individual relationship between a mentor and a mentee and and the example is i mean i mentioned it before but capital raising is very much a niche skill if you're working with a mentor who is guiding you through the capital raising process for example it's incredibly important that that mentor stays uh, on top of any developments in that industry and i think that goes for any industry expertise if a mentor as mentors do, specialise in a particular sector. So they're staying on top of the knowledge and experience of their niche. But then the second thing is really about the soft skills. You know, I mentioned it before. I do think one of the really important things that a mentor can do is instead of trying to tell you the answer, help you discover it for yourself. And that is more about guiding you and asking questions and just opening your eyes to ideas And that's more of a soft skill. And I think that comes with practice. I think it comes with an awareness. And I think it comes with being humble enough to say, okay, I can improve on this. You know, being being vulnerable to a degree as a mentor to say, okay, what can I work on and what can I improve on?
0: Absolutely. I've got this question for all my guests. So it wasn't really special for you, James, but it's very on topic. (laughs) Who have been your greatest one or two mentors and why have they had such an impact on your life and your career?
1: It's a good question. I would have said two years ago, I would have said I haven't really had any mentors in my life. And this is one of the reasons that I started this business maybe two and a half years ago. But I've been unbelievably lucky through the process of researching and creating mental connects. I've got to know some incredible mentors and, and they've had a massive impact on my life. But one in particular stands out. He's a guy called Mark, Mark Pope. We got our first few customers, you know, it was very much doing everything on the back of a napkin kind of thing I went looking for mentors on behalf of, of business owners and Mark was one of the mentors that I found and brought through the process and actually ended up connecting with one of our customers but through that process he and I got to know each other quite well to the point where he said look why don't I why don't I mentor you James I think he obviously saw that uh, I needed some help so he offered his services and the the relationship started very much focusing on business you know at that point we had a few customers and I was trying to figure out how to make a real viable business model out of this so we started working together or he was guiding me on creating a business plan and financial model and that sort of stuff but over time the focus shifted away from the business and and started getting back more to me and he kind of picked up on certain things you know I was very driven I was very focused I think I had a bit of a chip on my shoulder and I had quite a lot to prove at this point in my in my life and he kind of made me aware of that and he also made me aware of the fact that i wasn't actually focusing on myself at all I, I was not seeing what was kind of the world around me i was i was not aware so we kind of worked through that and he got me focusing back on myself a bit more he got me focusing on my relationships with my with my family and with my friends got me grounded again and it was kind of the catalyst of a bit of a period of of awakening in many senses you know i thought i thought i wanted the Flash car and the Nice watch and all this other stuff and and but it didn't fulfill me, and I didn't understand why and kind of working through that journey with Mark, I really sort of started to see where I was going wrong and his whole thesis is if you really want to be successful in business or anything, you know you've got to start with your foundations, which are yourself and your and, and your relationships and the other things around you yeah
0: so, that makes that makes good sense
1: yeah, it was amazing actually i mean you know I, I say life changing. I don't say that lightly, but it has—it was the start of a life-changing period for me.
0: Power of mentoring in action.
1: Well, yeah, I mean it's, uh, yeah, I think it's the power of having the right person, you know, giving you some yeah. guidance. Yeah, yeah. And, theres I mean, there's been other mentors as well, but Mark is the standout, I think.
0: So a bit of fun now. If you could choose a favourite book, film or song, what would it be and why?
1: I read a book when I was about 16. I was on holiday with a friend and we both read a book called Are You Experience? which is about a guy that travels around India on his gap year. It's a really funny book. And but off the back of that, both he and I decided that we were going to travel India. And that was I mean, that was we did that we started that I guess two years later. And that was really a life changing experience. So although I don't think it was necessarily the, you know, the best book ever written, it did have a huge impact on on my life. So I, I always think back to that book when someone says, you know, tell me your favourite book.
0: Yeah, It's usually the first thing that comes to mind. As we wrap up today, what would be your final takeaway message for everyone on the politics of mentoring?
1: I think just be open to it. I think people are a bit concerned. You know, some people they're put off by the idea of mentorship. It's got some sort of negative, this idea that it can be a bit stuffy and a bit old school, but there is nothing more powerful than having someone more experienced by your side when you're making tough decisions or, or just having someone to turn to when you get stuck you know, something happens in your business and you don't know what to do or any part of your life, someone that understands you, someone that's been there and someone that can help you figure out the answers. It's just, I'm not a big fan of the word empowering, but it is such an empowering thing to have access to. So yeah, I'd say keep an open mind and definitely think about it.
0: Give it a crack. Well, it's been a pleasure to chat to you today, James. If you do want to contact James Sewell and find out more about Mentor Connects, there will be some details on the show notes. Until next time, keep well. Thanks so much for listening today. If you've enjoyed The Politics of Everything, I thrive on your feedback. So please add a short review and share the podcast with your network through Apple, Spotify and all the usual suspects. I'm always on the hunt for new and diverse guests. So if you or someone you know has a fresh idea you're busting to get out there, please email me at amber.com at amberdanes.com and my crew will get back to you very soon.